This is Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast, bringing you the latest practices in the world of fiber networks and plus architecture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you tapping into some thought leadership from the 3GIS team as we explore more big picture topics from our industry and the broader ecosystem of technology and digital transformation. As we explore today's topic, make sure that you are tapping into our website as well as all of our previous conversations so that you're all caught up with 3GIS's thought leadership. So make sure that you're headed to, again, our website, 3-GIS.com. Again, 3-GIS.com. And make sure that you're subscribing to Fiberside Chat on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You'll find a full catalog of previous conversations as well as notifications when we drop new episodes on both of those platforms. So let's go ahead and jump into today's conversation. Uh, Our podcast episode of the day is going to be exploring the concept of end of life technology surges and really wants to pose the question, what will fill the void. So as companies continue on their digital transformation and enablement journey, many proven technologies are reaching the end of their use cases naturally. And the trend indicates a growing need to evaluate an organization's legacy tech with respect to understanding the risk versus the reward of change and of adopting a new technology and phasing out the old one. The reward many organizations have been able to achieve against the historical investment they made in network inventory technology over the past several decades is significant from an operating perspective, definitely not something to ignore. The decision to remain, though, with this deployment has also inversely created technical debt, which will inevitably impact the capital and operating budgets of the future. Due to the inherent dependencies on network management platforms by multiple downstream systems supporting the business, it's necessary to understand the replacement of end of life technology within the context of an application modernization approach. As Gartner notes, quote, the best approach to application modernization is to prevent deterioration and have product-centric delivery teams continuously modernize the application to keep its business, technical, and cost fitness at a high level, end quote. So we're going to be exploring this concept in depth with a member of the 3GIS team. So today we're joined by Mr. Michael Measles. He's VP of Product Management at 3GIS. Michael? Great to have you on. How are you doing? Same here, Daniel. I'm doing great. Real pleasure getting to source your perspective today and uh, get your uh, analysis on this risk versus reward of change in the larger trend towards digital transformation. So I want to get your thoughts on, I guess, that big picture trend, right? Historically, due to some of the complex natures of replacement and change of technology, business leaders have historically struggled to create a compelling business case 
on replacing their legacy network management platform, right? If it works, it works. Why make the shift? Now, with the advent of advances in technology, such as an increased and standardized adoption of cloud versus desktop-based deployments, I'm curious if business leaders are re-evaluating the current versus future state of their network management platform in any uh, particularly different ways, right? Uh, are they maybe more open to that big picture change? And if so, what are the drivers behind this shift in thinking? Give us your thoughts there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the answer to that is yes, we're seeing a significant uptick in terms of the conversations that we're having around, you know, ultimately their application modernization strategy as it relates to their network management platform. One of the keys here to me is, is leadership is, is seeing an opportunity to modernize their platforms, which lends itself to taking advantage of that investment across the multiple downstream systems that you mentioned earlier. Uh, we're seeing significant scaling up of the network assets in particular globally, that scaling up of those network assets and understanding where those assets are and how they're being utilized is becoming more and more important. Beyond that, we're seeing some trends around really limited personnel and resources in the market. You know, we, 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 we hear oftentimes in the news about the great resignation and, and certainly from a telecom perspective, that, that's certainly applicable as we've had people that have worked in the industry for their entire careers, 20, 30, even 40 years, are really uh, making you know, those personal life decisions to leave. What's happened is that's, that's creating a void in terms of, of, of personnel that can, that can handle the day-to-day -day tasking, in terms of expertise that's leaving those organizations at a rapid rate, and, and really providing, you know, from a carrier perspective, the inability to backfill those positions with the appropriate expertise and knowledge that's needed to appropriately manage some of these legacy systems. So as operators and, and providers are really looking at their technology stack, they're being challenged by really aligning that technology stack to the existing skill sets of the personnel that they have, to the skill sets of the personnel that they may be able to recruit. In conclusion, you know, what we're seeing is, is really a significant uptick in terms of the number of conversations that, that network providers are having with us in terms of in terms of their network management technology stack and, and really what to do moving forward. And those drivers, as I mentioned earlier, are personnel, expertise, open architecture, scaling the growth of these networks, and, and really ultimately these providers really looking at opportunities to modernize their entire technology stack. So we, we're definitely definitely seeing that uptick and, and you know, are, are, you know, quite honestly enjoying the conversations that we're having with them about this. Right. So I'm curious your thoughts on the timeline of digital transformation, because this isn't a necessarily new trend. We've been seeing a lot of legacy organizations update their technology stack over the last several years as cloud has become standardized. Is there something that is motivating the market? I mean, you already mentioned uh, labor specifically, but is there something that's revalidating, I guess, the desire to want to transform? And if so why didn't we see that earlier, right? Why are we just seeing several legacy organizations begin to reevaluate their legacy technology stack? Maybe specifically in, in our market, what we're seeing is um, you know, applications and solutions that have been in existence for decades, quite honestly. Uh, you know, as those solutions 
are reaching what one would call end of life and end of life is defined you know by us as is those solutions announcing that they're no longer going to be supported it's really requiring those operators that have you know purchased and maintain those legacy systems over over a number of years to really reevaluate you know what what are the advantages that could be had if i were to change the risk in terms of of change is significant which we may talk about later but but ultimately, as operators are evaluating the network management platform and the technology that they're using, they're faced with you know, some immense challenges just in terms of the solution being end of life and sunsetted to even from a GIS perspective, as, as you know, we sit on top of the Esri platform, some changes that are happening around the Esri platform that are really requiring network operators to reevaluate their decisions with respect to that legacy technology. You know, fortunately, those cloud-based technologies that are out there today, similar to, to us, is we've been able to at least maintain, you know, some forward-thinking progress and stay ahead of the curve uh, in terms of any of these, you know, ultimate platform changes that others are experiencing. So, you know, it's, I hate to say it, it's almost a forced valuation at times in, in terms of how to upgrade their, their technology stack. But but with that, I, I think they are seeing a tremendous amount of opportunity in that change uh, and really being thoughtful as to what that change should look like uh, as, as opposed to uh, simply just band-aiding their existing solution and moving forward. So what it sounds like, too, is that these legacy organizations invested in technology that, you know, is now legacy, but when it was first invested in was fresh, cutting edge, and now decades later it's you know a necessity to switch now that signals to me that the investment strategy for that technology was one of let's find the best solution that's going to last us the longest and build our operations off of said technology stack do you see in this period of end of life surges and digital transformation that that investment style and approach is going to stay the same and that companies are looking for technology stacks that they can invest in and then, you know, not forget about, but just like they will invest in something that will last them for the next round of 20 years, right? Or is the vision a shorter term one necessarily? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the technology horizon is is certainly less than it was mm -hmm. uh, in terms of technology and decisions around it. Investment profiles that we see can be anywhere from a three to seven year investment profile. Whereas in, in the past, as you mentioned, that investment profile may have been, you know, 10 to 15 years. So the decision around uh, making, making changes to technology and, and specifically in relation to this, what I would call shorter event horizon in terms of uh, being faced with another decision in the future, I think really lends itself to, you know, some, some really hard conversations that have to take place with, with those that are evaluating that change because they have, you know, decades of investment, in the platform that they have today, uh, they have decades of investment into, into the data that's supporting that platform. And they have decades of investment in terms of, you know, the different hooks that might exist between that, that core platform and other technologies that they may be using. It's really, it's really quite, quite difficult. And to think about going through that, Every five to seven years is an event horizon, I, I think is a daunting task for most because the cost of change is so, so significant, specifically as it relates to the underlying data and the other integrations that may already exist. So as they're looking at this modernization strategy, knowing that we have a condensed window of time, 
you know, especially in relation to what they're what they're used to, is making decisions around a stack of technology that lends itself to change, you know, in five or seven mm-hmm. years. Um, right. And lends itself to that open architecture that allows for these other systems to integrate with it and for the data to flow in and outside of those systems, you know, e- irrespective of the network management platform that they choose. Right. Are the technology providers themselves centering that as well and understanding that, you know, it's kind of a chicken and the egg scenario. They're both setting the standard of that horizon, but then also responding to the digital transformation of these companies and how they're seeking to invest in new tech. I think so, certainly. And I think there's an interesting dichotomy that exists as well in terms of the investment that, that an organization may make in a uh, new network, you know, which may have a, a 15 to 20 year lifespan. But understanding the technology that's driving that network, you know, could have that three to seven year event horizon. So I, I think there's at least a, a, an acknowledgement uh, among those that we that we work with. The two don't necessarily align for sure. So I feel like we've laid out the necessity to change based on these end of life drivers. They're pushing the industry forward. You know, your clients are feeling that. Now, do you think business leaders should be considering developing application modernization initiatives that evaluate the risk versus the reward of that change if there are still so many end of life drivers that are encouraging the change, right? Is that risk versus reward initiative and vision needed? Why or why not? It absolutely is needed. And, and it's interesting. We, we often talk about risk kind of in terms of technology risk. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's risk to the people that are making these decisions as well. Very aware that to choose to use our solution or choose to, to change, um, you know, pe- people are putting their careers in, in our hands in terms of can we successfully deliver that change? Um, so I think you know, we oftentimes just talk about the technology risk, but I think it's also important to talk about the human risk element too, just uh, because it's it is such a hard decision, especially as these organizations have have been you know in a certain platform for twenty years, and all of a sudden they're going to pivot and make make a significant change to their organization. So the personal risk is is quite high, and and we're you know very empathetic to that. To the technology side of the coin, you know that that risk is is significant as well. Um, you know, we've, we've been a part of a, a couple of recent opportunities in which organizations are looking at, you know, the change in, in totem. And that change often requires evaluating every system that's currently deployed inside of their inside of their environment and how each one of those systems is working. And I think that's a mistake. And it's a mistake because it it almost makes the project too overwhelming and adds additional financial risk to the customer. Whereas just focusing on the underlying platform technology that's necessary and evaluating them independently of one another, but yet adding another layer in terms of understanding the integration capabilities of each one of those technologies, I think is a, is, is a more reasonable approach. And it's not necessarily you know, eating the elephant, as they say, right? So right. how do we take that, that elephant one bite at a time, but understand that at the end of the day, right, these technologies have to talk to one another in such a way that that really aligns to the business workflows. Sure. So what are your recommendations or strategies for how companies should be concepting these initiatives? Are there specific metrics they need to be analyzing to weigh and fully understand that risk versus reward dynamic? Absolutely. And I, the first argument I would make is, 
is it's culturally aligned to this idea that what, what we've had in the past is not going to be what we have in the future. You know, oftentimes, you know, the, the, the discussion shifts from, you know, more of a forward thinking platform discussion to, you know, what features and functions I've always had and, and what features and functions in your platform align to, to what I've always had. And, and I, I think that's a, that's a real challenge and I think a missed opportunity. If, if we're only focused on, on the way the work has been done over the last 20 years, then we're not going to focus on how to modernize our workflows to meet, to meet the organizational needs of scale. So I think the first step to me is really aligning to this idea and getting the organization and the technical evaluators to align to this idea that, that we're not repurchasing what we've had. You know, if it's a desktop solution, we're not just repurchasing a cloud-based solution. Rather, you're purchasing a, a new modern way to really look at how do, you, how do you manage and monitor your network moving forward. And then ultimately, the secondary piece of that, obviously, is how do my existing workflows in this organization need to change to align to the new technology? So I think if, if, if an organization that was considering change focuses on those two elements first and can come to an alignment across every constituent piece of the organization that will be impacted, then I think the decisions around the rewards that could be garnered you know, by virtue of choosing new technology in terms of open architecture and you know, going to a web-based deployment versus a desktop solution and what the synergies between those systems ultimately look like really lend themselves to a much better discussion. And with that, the cost implications associated with that can be quite high in that we, we can start evaluating the return on this investment against the workflows, knowing that the my organization is going to change versus evaluating the return on the investment against historical workflows, which, you know, may make it difficult going back to the original point, which may make it difficult for leadership to make the decision to change. Right. Because it sounds difficult to weigh the value of an investment based on technology that's being completely phased out for a new technology stack that leverages an entirely fresh ecosystem of network infrastructure. Is that kind of what you're seeing? Absolutely. Right. And then ultimately focused on you know, those business outcomes. Right. So then would you say that business leaders are prepared today to recommend a business outcomes approach across the entire organization as they consider updating these legacy applications rather than kind of the simple lift and shift approach? Like, do they have the resources and tools to have that full wide big picture vision? Yes, no. Why or why not? On the whole, I would say no. And and, and the reason is, you know, to me, from a practical point of view, if an organization has been operating inside of a legacy technology with workflows for a number of years, it's really difficult to to change your mindset in terms of understanding the business outcomes associated with change without, without some broader perspective being offered. You know, we've worked with customers in the past to help provide that broader perspective in terms of the return on investment of, of selecting our technology versus staying the same. And it's not that, it's not that we know more than, than the customer, but yet we're, we have the context of our solution in, ter- in terms of how it's being used across multiple, uh, multiple customers globally. So bringing that perspective in and really educating our customers as to you know, what that value is, it's really quite fascinating to kind of see the light go off and, and start to understand what that business outcome approach really needs to look like as they're evaluating the new technology that they need to deploy inside of their, inside of their ecosystem. That can be difficult in terms of RFP responses, let's say, in that we're just purely focused on features and functions for the most part at that point. 
you know, but as we continue to build the build relationships with with service providers that are looking at change, we oftentimes focus on the workflows and the business outcomes and ensure that that we're aligned at that at that level before we get into you know the specific features and functions that we may deliver. So it might be difficult to generalize uh, based on just how industry specific and company specific that transition has to be. But if you have to generalize a little bit, do you have any classic examples of when it is right to make this this shift to something entirely new versus when is it right to maintain some aspect of legacy systems in place or to make the transition less of a total disruption and total reimagining of the technology stack. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's certainly a phased approach. And oftentimes, you know, our most successful implementations have occurred when we've had a when we've had a technical advocate inside the organization for change. So if, if an organization doesn't have that technical advocate, it can oftentimes be difficult you know, for us to deliver, but but more importantly for us to understand the business outcomes that they're trying to achieve. Because that technical advocate may be more forward thinking in terms of how to apply the technology to the existing business of the organization. So, you know, if, if I were to say from a, a generalized approach, if, if a technical advocate doesn't exist and an organization is facing a significant change due to end of life technology, then that relationship, you know, can be difficult at, at best, if not arduous. So as as leadership inside of organizations are evaluating changing their technology, really understanding who my technical advocates are inside of that organization that can help push the vision of change forward and understanding how that vision applies ultimately to the business processes of that organization is really critical. So if I'm looking at my network management solution, my construction scheduling solution, my provisioning solution, you know, if I don't have a technical advocate across all three three pillars, let's say, uh, of those solutions, then, then I'll want to I'll start with the technical advocate that's wanting to push my network management platform forward, that understands the benefits to my organization of that change. And then maybe by virtue of successful implementation there, we begin to build technical advocates across the organization and the other underlying solutions that will have, you know, that this interactivity or interoperability, let's say. So, if I were to generalize at all, it would be start start with where you have those people that that buy into change, understand the the business impact, positive and negative of that change, um, and really focus your efforts there first. And then maybe you know by them leading the charge forward, others will step up in other parts of the organization to do the same for their respective technology footprint. So it's sounding like then the business case for change has to be a succinct one with the goal of preventing continued deterioration in performance and needs to have you know something like a product-centric delivery team to help continuously modernize the application and then maintain viability for the business, which as much as it is focused on the tech itself, also means that the application modernization strategy uh, has to be focused on the business outcomes and the big picture goal, right? what is the utility of this change, rather than just here is why this tech is great and we need to shift to this specific application. Now, I'm curious where the role then of the you know specific technology or the specs of the application come into play in that big picture business outcome focused transition. Yeah, it's, that's a pretty interesting question. I think what we... 
you know, from a from a technology perspective, it's 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 natural to kind of lean towards the fact that technology decisions are made by the technology information technology department or, or the IT department. And what I will say is oftentimes IT department aren't necessarily focused on overall business outcomes. They may be focused on outcomes for their particular department with respect to budget, with respect to security. That list goes on and on, but they may not necessarily be as engaged with the business in terms of understanding the, the workflows that are intended to be operationalized and the business outcomes that come, you know, operating a, the solution. So, you know, my, my recommendation, and, and you mentioned earlier, is more of a product-centric approach where you have, you know, product management and, and business ownership representation in terms of the decision-making with the, the IT group being a stakeholder so that it can ensure that it aligns to, to, to policy, but not let the overarching IT policy and framework define the technology solution that's needed to achieve the business outcome. So oftentimes that, that requires you know, a, a very intentional segregation of duties from the product ownership and business ownership team to IT. And oftentimes, you know, that, that, that can be a challenge inside of organizations that are IT led because, you know, ultimately, you know, everybody has their own business outcomes and, and, and the business outcomes should be driven by, you know, the, the strategy and the vision of the organization, right? If that's, if that's revenue generation, if it's building new network, if it's serving customers better, those are the types of people we like to work with because they're focused on, on that business outcome. And we can align our technology to, to meet that outcome as opposed to simply just aligning it to a specification and a security requirement that meets an IT policy. Not very popular amongst the IT people, I know, but uh, you know, <laughs> well, alas, right. Yes, alas. You can reach me on LinkedIn and we'll have a conversation. Yeah, right. So love it. Well, Michael, I've got one last question for you. Thank you for all your perspectives so far. And then I'll open it up to some final thoughts from you if we haven't touched on something that you want to just hone in for our audience. But I want to quote Thomas Klenecht. He's Gartner Senior Director Analyst. And I want to just highlight a quote here that stood out to me. Quote, application leaders often struggle to develop a successful business case when it comes to modernizing their application portfolios, especially those across multiple platforms. Those who succeed take a business-focused approach, chunking the work to target the most critical business capabilities in multiple waves, end quote. So my last question for you is another strategy-focused one. Where should businesses start to chunk out that work, right? Are there segmentations that you recommend or uh, sort of an order of waves that you often recommend? If so, why? Yeah, it's a, that's a great quote. Thomas Thomas was much more succinct than I was. <laughs> so I will say, uh, absolutely. And, and I think to me, to me, it always starts with the data is the, the data that you have today and how it's being utilized across the organization is really, really, you know, the, the starting approach to understanding, you know, what the opportunities are in terms of meeting different business outcomes that the leadership may be presenting. So, you know, where, where I like to start is, if, if you use his phrase, chunking the work to target the most critical business capabilities, I, I do think understanding the data and how it aligns to the, you know, let's call it the, the three primary goals of the organization. If that's, you know, generating more revenue for my existing network, for instance, as an example, then, then I may start with, does the data allow my system to interrogate the network to understand where revenue potential may be? 
And then the secondary piece of that, does it also allow me to understand how I might be able to turn that customer up as quickly as possible within the construct of marketing and sales, within the construct of my drop team delivery to use the fiber of the home kind of context. So I think if the data doesn't support operationalizing those business outcomes and meeting the needs of the strategy of the organization, then, then, then that, that can be a significant challenge. The tools and processes, however, that are required to do those things are also an important kind of chunk of the work to be able to understand you know, the tools and processes available to me in my existing system. And if they're not, how do I, in parallel to operationalizing the data that I have or don't have, start to bring those tools and functions into the ecosystem and, and again, operationalize those to different departments that may need it in terms of workflows and process. So I think ultimately the business case for change has to be succinct and has to be aligned to the, the, the goals of the organization, the strategy of the organization for year one and year two and year three. And that's the only way to kind of prevent, let's say, this uh, continued deterioration in performance, which oftentimes that's, that's equated to customer retention, and customer acquisition, you know, in, in, a, in a for-profit context. But ultimately, by having this product-centric delivery team focused on continually modernizing its application stack, it creates viability for the business moving forward, as long as that product-centric team is focused on the business outcomes. And, and we appropriately, as, as Patrick noted, segment the work in such a way that we're providing value a, along the path, as opposed to only providing value at the end of the path. Well, hopefully then our audience puts those strategies to work and starts to better analyze this end of life transition to a new technology stack. And I think like you've been saying, with that focus on the outcomes and being willing to set new goals for success and not just playing from you know the traditional playbook and using the successes of the old technologies as your metrics then i think you can begin to reassess what this reinvigorated network infrastructure and just overall digital transformation can look like for your business so michael i want to open it up to you for just final thoughts anything we haven't touched on yet that you just want to double emphasize for our audience in short, I might just say, you know, a lot, a lot of work ultimately has to be done to evaluate the, the efficacy of change. And the efficacy is really tied to the value that could be generated from the change that's aligned to the business outcome. So that also requires a thorough understanding of the risk of that change, you know, both from a, from a personal level, as I mentioned earlier, as, as organizations are making, you know, what I would argue are career decisions at times to you know, beyond that, the risk of not changing uh, oftentimes can be higher than the than the than the opportunity value of the change too. So, really, you know, having a succinct business case aligned to you know whether it be the platform or or how the technology needs to operate with kind of the business outcomes that have been defined that that are aligned to the organizational strategy, I think is really key. So, with that being said, there's no there's no simple lift and shift as it relates to these, these, you know, end of life technologies that are going away that, that organizations have to replace it with something, but, but rather, you know, the exercise, you know, should be focused on the business outcomes and translating those business outcomes and 
in terms of you know re- real application modernization strategies, which will allow them to move away from the legacy technology, but ultimately, more importantly, to to take advantage of the opportunity that comes with newer modern technology aligned to the the business strategy and the outcomes expected. All right, Michael. I think on that note. We'll go ahead and wrap things up. So thank you again for joining us and giving us your perspective on this approach to risk versus reward of technology change and building out actionable strategies for this surge of end of life transitions and how to make the most of your digital transformation. So again, we've been chatting with Mr. Michael Measles. He's VP of Product Management at 3GIS. And Michael, if folks want to learn a little bit more about 3GIS's perspective on this, maybe they want to get in touch with you or just learn more in general about the company and your work. How can they do so? Yeah, absolutely. The website is www.3-gis.com. Again, www.3-gis.com. And as I mentioned earlier, you're always welcome to reach out to me via LinkedIn and let's have a discussion there as well. Fantastic. All right, Michael, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much and looking forward to chatting again soon. Sure thing. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast. Like Michael said, make sure you're heading to our website, 3-GIS.com. That's three, the number, not spelled out, dash GIS.com for more 3GIS content, as well as resources on the topic we just broke down today. And you can also subscribe for more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Fiberside Chat.